I said, what you know about it? It's the stool, baby. Got the knees in plus. Young stool, baby. And the room a lot. Hello, you're listening to The Stew. My name is Jason Stewart. This is our food podcast. Food podcast. Andre Canaparo. When I say hi. Uh, hello. When I say R, I mean us and you guys at home. Everybody. And Stewie, R.I.P. You guys in jail. You guys <laughs> drive, driving to Mammoth. You guys waterboard, waterboarding prisoners. You guys making that county wine off of bread and some chocolate pudding. Shout outs. Mm-hmm. Keep it behind the radiator. All the people who are listening to this inside of a restaurant while you're prepping, you're getting ready. I know Wax Paper is listening to this right now. <laughs> Shout outs are favorite. Figuring out how they're going to pickle a beet. That's right. I know. The, I've, got a, I've got a surprise for them. I've got to do it. I think I'm going to do it this week. I've got a special delivery. I guess it's not a surprise. Well, you know. We'll Cato, uh, I was talking to somebody who works at Cato last night, and they're like, yeah, well, we were like setting up for service. We were just blasting your podcast the whole time, <laughs> and it was very weird. <laughs> I bet. I bet it was, you know, it's, we never listened to these. Or once in a, I think I listened to the one my mom was on because uh-huh. I thought that was super fun. But it's, and I, I Everybody I know does a podcast doesn't listen to them. I mean, maybe yeah. maybe one super professional person out there does how to improve. Yeah, I mean, people will do that, um, but I feel like most people get weirded out. Uh, and yeah. so I would imagine, you know, if he was in the kitchen listening to himself on a podcast, it's a weird thing. Hearing your own voice it's looming over the thing. Sonos. Yeah. <laughs> Siri, make me sound less horrible. Uh, Siri, make me louder. I sound amazing. <laughs> Uh, there was a, no, you don't. <laughs> um, I, I have edited other podcasts that I've done, and it's very oh, much. Oh yeah, you have to listen to yourself. It's no, very no, much yeah. like when you're if like you're making a song, or you're making a movie, or you're trying to test and finish a recipe. Like by the time you're done with it, you've heard it, you've tasted it, you've seen it so many times that it's the last thing you ever want to do. Like every recipe I've ever written. Which is like twelve. Sure. <laughs> They're like I never want to make it ever again. Yeah, I feel which, which kind of sucks. But I feel even like on a micro level too. A lot of times I don't eat that much when I'm done cooking a big meal for people. Mm. Like I have the smallest portion, and people look at me like, "Aren't you going to eat?" It's like I kind of ate the whole time I was cooking. Because you say Papa's been nibbling the whole time. Friend. Yeah, you're tasting the whole thing, and then like you're not gonna eat a whole portion probably, or I don't. I never mm-hmm. do. I have like a really small amount of everything I made usually, and just kind of sit back and. I think that's the wine. reason why why chefs, amateur and professional, like get a little fat. It's the it's the nibbling that you're doing sure. throughout that really sneaks up on you. Mm-hmm. Because you're not even like you're not making a big old fancy plate when you finally sit down and eat it, right? And the rampant alcoholism that forces <laughs> you to eat a whole pizza at four in the morning after shift. <laughs> I mean, I didn't want to bring that up, but yeah, like of course all chefs are alcoholics and they have like crumbling home life and their family is on the brink of that's leaving I, them. That's what I like to think about when people are more successful than me. That's that's their life. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I know that you are like the head chef of a Michelin-rated restaurant, but I bet. but your wife fucking hates you. <laughs> <laughs> like your kids don't even really know you. 
And I like have so many friends and I do cool stuff. <laughs> yes. Yes to all of that. Yes to Schadenfreude. <laughs> um yeah, Cato, last week's episode, John was a, a real nice guy. He's great. A lot of people like that nice. episode. We're we're trying to get a bunch of other guests right now, I'm trying to get Baru on if they'll write me back. Um, Ari from Alma is coming up this month and Bub and Grandma's bread. We'll do a whole episode about bread. Some people want us to do another coffee episode as well. Mm. I'm in. Um, so maybe I'll get a barista bro. This is did have you looked at the Or iTunes? bra. Have you looked at the iTunes thing? I think this is What iTunes thing? Or not the, the iTunes thing. Have you ever see, looked at the like the number of shows, the whole thing? Of the stew? Yeah. No. It's the hundredth episode, I think. <laughs> Are you serious? Close to. I mean I guess you have to figure it out. I think it's like hundred and seven. And then there was the there was like the bunch of Chris Well, Chang. what is it? 107 or 100? Well, I think it's probably 100 for me and 107 for you. Oh. Or maybe, well, you've done two without me on location, so maybe I'm like on 98 and you're on 107, but we're getting close to that. Like, So I like that we're not, in the you're not counting the overall for the Stu podcast. You're just thinking about yourself. No, I'm saying there's two numbers. There's two numbers to look at. Stewie's going on seven episodes. <laughs> it's fucking tight. So like just King Stewie. I at first glance I'd be like I don't like that you're making a competition out of this, but I immediately do like it because I'll always be the winner. Yeah, it's mathematically impossible unless I start doing solo solo <laughs> stews. Yeah, what if what if like in a year you just like tie me up in a closet and you just take <laughs> over <laughs> and I just keep asking you how to set this up while you're tied up in the closet. Jason, <laughs> how do I have multiple track recordings? <laughs> I would um, I would have to tie you up after we started and then go in and edit you out of the beginning. I fall for it every week. <laughs> You're not going to do it this time, right? No. No. Why would I? Does this smell like chloroform? <laughs> um, so we were just talking right before this about the possibility of doing some like video-related things. And for and what li- would that be? And for our listeners... Would it be YouTube? Would it be... Maybe you were talking about Twitch. We're maybe talking about Doing Twitch. Something silly, something fun. Maybe something silly and fun on Twitch. Maybe something YouTube. I mean, I feel like Twitch is like the the casual version of like yes. what this podcast is compared to like a overly produced. I was, nothing. Not like there's anything wrong with that, but that's there's a lot of shit on YouTube that's overly produced. And and Twitch is definitely like you hit and, you hit record and then you just yeah. go. And also at this point we don't have the time and money on return to compete with what people are doing. The on real YouTube. magic's done in the edit bay, and frankly, yeah. So I mean, very much aligned. And with, I'm willing to pay an editor no money. Yeah, absolutely. And that's it. That's my final offer. You get paid in shoutouts. We can shout out your mom. I thought you were gonna say chowder. Chowder. You get paid in chowder half, that I steal. Half red, half white. That's the way to do it. I stole some chowder t- yesterday from Gelson's. I, was, I thought you were going to say Whole Foods. No, no, no. I would never steal soup from Whole Foods. That crosses <laughs> the line. <laughs> today, at Whole Foods, today at Whole Foods, I, I, I made my salad go from $9 to $5 in like three bites. Sure. Was there a, was there a hard-boiled egg in there? Yeah. Yeah. The rule... The, <laughs> That is such a. I just okay. ate a hard boiled egg. Yeah, I know. That's such a weird look if somebody saw you eat a hard boiled egg. It's like, 
You're just like casually like, oh, what's that? You put a little bit, and then they're just like looking at you, and you shove a whole <laughs> egg in your mouth and start chewing. And I'm like, it's like it's like nigiri. Like you have to do it all in one bite to get the right like texture balance. Or if your if your excuse is just like, yeah, I, I just needed to see what those hard boiled eggs tasted like. <laughs> I was just trying them out to see if I was going to get 15 of them. You're I'm like, not. I don't like them. Like, ooh, what are these? And then you eat. Well, <laughs> I don't know. It's my first egg. <laughs> but uh, there, well, I say the rule for if you're gonna if you're gonna do a salad bar graze. Whatever you're eating has to be all in one bite out, out of respect oh, yeah. to the establishment. Like if you, also, you need, well, I mean, I'm, I'm imagining most people do, but you need to graze out of your own box. And that's, that's the other one. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's levels to this shit, guys. There's rules to the game. Whatever you take a sample of, you grab your tongs, you put it in your, in your container, and then you walk around gingerly while you plop it in your mouth. So you, I would say you, you go hard in the paint on Whole Foods. You kind of deserve your tasters, or at least it could be argued, even though it's completely against the rules. I deserve my tasters. You, you I put shop in, quite a bit at Whole Foods. Very friendly with all the people a, a, working. A high large fives portion to of there. my income goes to Whole Foods. Would you, do you think there's ever a time where someone's just going to straight up, hey, sometimes I think about I need it. to talk to you about I, I think need it, to, Sir, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. You just ate a whole egg in front of everybody in the salad department. <laughs> you, you have a drumstick bone out, coming out of your mouth. I don't think you just did a cool hand Luke light in front of everybody here, <laughs> trying to just have a nice lunch. You keep doing a, a Indiana Jones replacement, yeah. where you take a fake plastic egg and put it in with the other hard boiled eggs, which would cost more than the one regular <laughs> hard boiled egg. You're I, not I, doing the math on that. I one. feel well. I, because of that fear, I've cultivated a relationship with every employee at my local Whole Foods. But you got to be on top, the new hires. What if you got somebody just like his previous job was as a security guard, mm. like midnight in a junkyard? That's not who you want to go up against on his first day. Asset protection at the graveyard junkyard. I mean, that job exists. That does exist. Especially in Glendale. There's some hood parts and there's some industrial parts of Glendale, like that recycling plant on Chevy Chase. Yeah, yeah, where they <laughs> where they put some tires on your car that have some stuff inside of them. They're not going to be into your shtick on their first day trying to improve, but improve my, their manager that they can the regulate the, the salad beauty, station. I say the beauty of the those folk is they're the easiest ones to sway. Uh, this is going to cut to you being tased in three days. <laughs> no, like those like. Junkyard asset protection people; <laughs> those are those are the first people that you become homies with. I mean, you try to. It's just like when you go to jail, you punch the biggest guy sure. square in the nose. Like once you once you you work big to small. Yeah, but I'm that's the a, guy who's gonna tack, like spear tackle you when you have a dolma halfway in your mouth. That's who you ha- hit first, and then like old old grandma lady. Completely agree, but you still have to be able to get them. On your side. I think all it is is a respect game. Like, you never want to be like, you never want the guy who or girl at Whole Foods to be like, come on, man, I'm right here. I'm looking right at, like, that's, that's the problem. It's like, what, like they're what willing level? to look the other way as long as you're respectful about In it. shorts and a t-shirt, you have visible tattoos. Mm-hmm. How, how do you feel? Is that a big part of, like, making this work for you? I don't, tattoos don't come into to play when you're as with, charming as I am. With the asset management 
division oh. of the of the junkyard graveyard shift. Like I'm, I I have a a red target on my face because I no, have no. Tattoos. I think in the opposite. Like, oh, what's up? Oh, that's my. Aim. I mean, there's a very good chance there's a neck tattoo on the guy who just came off the graveyard shift at a mm-hmm. junkyard. So they look at my sick tats and they're like, "What's okay. up, fellow junkyard member?" Like, what we get? I get it. You're one of us. I get. It. I also house a whole egg all the time, so I get it. <laughs> I, I see you and I get you. Mm-hmm. Also, you got tats. What's up? But I, I do. Ne- I never do a soup though. I feel like I. But I, I do a soup. I do. Why? A su- why? Why would you draw the line? Because I feel like when you steal the soup, you you have to you have. The, you have the smoking gun in your hand for the too long. The plastic cup? Yeah, you have, you're walking around with the plastic cup. It's piping hot soup. See, okay, so then there's... So you can't, you can't so skull you, it in one slurp. You have to sip it. Yeah, I feel like your logic is very on point as far as discarding any kind of evidence. Yeah, I don't, like if I don't want the smoking gun. If someone rolls up to me gun. and is like, hey, did you just eat a whole egg? I'm like, busted. Someone rolls up to me and is like, hey, did you just put a little bit of soup in that, like that sauce cup and try it like yeah i'm gonna buy like a thing of this soup like i was gonna try it like mm-hmm. i have no problem arguing the logic to somebody being like hey did you just do that mm-hmm. as opposed to like hey are you gonna buy more eggs because mm-hmm. you just tried a whole one that makes sense but i i never want to be in the position where that sure, argument will staying, take place you're staying out of a world where you have that conversation but conversely at, at gelson's it's a very like heaven-like scenario what was that movie where they go to heaven uh, Mel Brooks movie. Heaven can't wait. Mm. Uh, defending your life. Defending your life. Yeah. Like, and when I'm at Gelson's, I feel like I'm in defending your life. Like you're in the tier between Earth and Heaven, and everyone there is in a really good mood. And I feel, and you, I feel like I can just walk up and just like pour caviar into a, a salad salad bar container and eat it while I walk around, and everyone will be like. <laughs> Yeah, we're having a wonderful time in here, aren't we, friend? Definitely. Uh, there's a different vibe. But if you've made it through the doors, if you made it through the gates of Gelson's, you're fine. Yeah, I feel like yeah, Gelson definitely leans heavy on customer service in a way that be like, "Did you like it?" If they mm-hmm. catch you eating something, like, "It's good, huh?" <laughs> Whole Foods is a little bit they're a little bit rougher around the edges, I feel like, cuz they got you. They're the only game in town, kind of, when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. Like, have quick. you ever seen, you know, the new Galesons are modeled in Silver Lake. It looks gr- much better. Mm-hmm. But that same level of trash in their hot case is just like, it looks like, it looks like a school cafeteria. Trash in the hot case. Have you, well, that's also I know the name exactly of my, new, what you're talking my about. new jazz ensemble, <laughs> Trash in the Hot Case. They're... <laughs> There, yeah, yeah, you have a very good point. This is a. I'm sorry to all of our listeners who have never been to this place, but maybe you can relate. Maybe there's a market that you also. No, it looks like a '90s same. school cafeteria. It's but like, like the cold side of the deli. It's like here's all not these. That bad. Also, arguably, the cold side, the salad side, looks so much better than it tastes. That's I very think. true. And it's, some of it's not that bad, but it all looks well, really. It's like nice. here's a quinoa salad with you're hatched like, chilies and avocado, great. and you try, and you're like, ugh. Mm. And but then the hot case is just like mac and cheese, gravy, gravy, oh. cream corn, cream, <laughs> cream corn, legit. I it's know. in there. Chicken tenders, breakfast sausage. Yeah, like a breakfast egg baked thing. Mm-hmm. Barbecued beef. <laughs> so gross. 
Hey, Although their carving station's kind of legit. You love there's a lot of station. like there's a lot of things to navigate. You think the pokey's okay there? I do. I do not like it that much. The pokey goes down a lot sweeter when it's free, baby. That's true. Um, Pokey's the best thing to steal. It's such a high dollar item. I think they have the most outrageously priced meats I've ever seen in my entire life. Mm-hmm. I feel like some of those cuts are like McCall's prices or like mm-hmm. Grundy's prices. Like they're so expensive, and it's not that good. But then they have it's like good, a, but it's not high level. They have like a fresh turkey carving station every day, and I get that. I get that meat on a sandwich sometimes. Real nice. Yeah, you do. Mm-hmm. Thanksgiving is here. You're listening to the stew. That was 17 minutes of us talking about very specific supermarkets in our neighborhood. No, it started with you stealing a whole egg from the salad <laughs> department at Whole Foods. Don't make it sound like this is some rambling conversation. At a very good starting point. Respect respectfully sucking that egg down mm. free protein baby i love it um you you have some notes we have a bunch of twitter questions that we're going to hit as well um and we also have the best thing that we had all week at the end of course but what do you have scrawled on your little well there's rest there, in peace also thanks for this sake by the way there you go it's getting kind of warm yay sake is so good should have put it nice um it's okay rest in peace ozu east but the new restaurant's open in its space. Oh, yeah. It opened like four days ago. That's in my neighborhood of Atwater Village. There's a new yeah. restaurant. And like the Good Measure. That's what it's called, Good Measure? Is it like, it's like a wine and bistro nibble spot? Yeah, well, it's from, uh, I'm forgetting his name. Maybe I should have written it down. But it's basically from the guy who started Barcovel, which yeah. is one of the more popular wine bars in, in L.A. in my neighborhood of Los Feliz. That's actually, I really like it. It's not bad. But I'm not a huge wine bar guy. Um, if a mm. bar doesn't open at 6 a.m., I'm losing interest pretty quick. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you got to be open at 6 a.m. Uh, um, but it's so it's country wine food from around the world, and I, I'm taking mm. that. I, I couldn't find a posted menu, but I take that I like to that. mean like rustic Spanish, Mediterranean, French kind of countryside dishes, I would imagine, mm-hmm, being paired mm-hmm. from those descriptions. Just simple platters, some, some feta and some olives, maybe yeah, for the Mediterranean. Sure. Um, maybe a few pastas, maybe some meat dishes. What are those Spanish tapas called? It's like pixtos, mixtos? It's some word like that. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, I've had a lot of <laughs> like those when you in go Spain. to a bar in yeah. Spain and like order some wine. There's just they just like here's these little kind of nibbler or I also thought that, like that was literally called tapas when you're like at a bar in Spain. It is, but it's never a different the same word. What for the free ones? The ones, yeah, like, when you get like a couple pieces of squid and like a few olives, and then like yeah, it's like the Spanish version of of chips and salsa at a Mexican restaurant. It's I just, thought, yeah, I didn't know there was a specific name for it. There is. I learned it from watching like when Anthony Bourdain goes there and hangs out with some like old dude wearing like a cool suit who's like fat but has like a hot girlfriend. It's an incredibly fun way to eat. It seems like so fun. I feel like Europe really has the whole eating thing down so much better. A thousand percent. You just hang out like on a bunch of tables out just on the sidewalk, and then some guys playing like an instrument in the corner, and then everyone is just here's some wine from my yeah. bottle. You drink this wine. We smoke a cigarette. We have a little. We have a, the old guys napping. The young people are dancing. So the in I've, America it's just like no, that's it's very different. It's we also go, like we go to fucking. 
Yeah, but dumb, I, dumb restaurants. Yeah, I think also. Sorry, mom. I mean, LA is a city. You don't really find those spaces, kind of like those, the the dense spaces, especially like in Los Angeles. I mean, you can make the argument for almost anywhere in New York, big cities, that doesn't have the same kind of like outdoor tradition in a way that like Paris does. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the outdoor cafes, you find them, you know, in certain neighborhoods or some places, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's so ingrained in the DNA of, of that lifestyle of eating out and kind of being out. It's different. For centuries. It's different. Um, and in America, that all started in like 1968. I mean, yeah, at all, if ever. Mm-hmm. I feel like... It's, if ever. Yeah, and I feel like that that... Maybe kind of in hotter climates, like in Florida, what like seafood shacks kind of mm-hmm. mimic that kind of area of outdoor and also just but not really but I, I don't know and when you go to an outdoor seating place and like since it's so big in europe like the the umbrellas that are branded i feel like those are like nice inviting brands it's just like like a bunch of pellegrino umbrellas sure. and you're like oh that's nice or like like a cool like biramoretti cronenberg yeah all these things and then in america it's just like rockstar <laughs> rockstar it's fucking rock big johnson umbrellas yeah big johnson umbrellas and Bad rockstar boy club. yeah like we that i think that's all you need to do to really step step the game up is to get some better umbrella guess guys get some get get some imported umbrellas it's a reasonable argument and also like they're free yeah they give them to you if you just get a bunch of like Campari umbrellas, that's a good look. Like if you're if you're driving by, there's two Italian delis. Speaking of which, one of them has the Camparis out front. The other one is just like we have a Red Bull. This is, but we okay. We can't wait for a restaurant to do this. We need to start doing this next time we go to the beach. Go on eBay, get a used like huge oversized Ooh. Campari umbrella. Oh yeah, and just bring that to the beach. Drop it. And then you're like, ladies, the line forms to the left. Just bring a couple like standing tables, a couple chairs, just uh-huh. d- just uh, a couple a, ice buckets, a, a pop up piazza, like outdoor. You know what else you need? One of those newspapers that's uh, that's like a different color, like where the newsprint is on like baby blue or like pink or red. You like when you go to the airport and you see somebody oh, right, right, reading yeah, yeah. like a like an international finance journal yep. like crazy newspaper like get a couple of those just like put them around like ooh sure international <laughs> ashtrays everywhere <laughs> a lot of ashtrays <laughs> maybe like a small sheep or something like that sure they like those over there right yeah definitely in the in the main square there's a lot of like sheep like a nice looking little goat or something yeah like nah. a high doll like not a rescue like you went to like a goat what is it? A goat mill? <laughs> a goat? You got to get it from a goat. A goat um, breeder. Yeah, like like a, a goat breeder, like, like a toy goat, like a toy goat size. I mean, I know that it's wrong, but it's just so it just looks so much better than the rescues. My goat's name is Cha Cha. <laughs> this is Matcha. <laughs> this is Brooklyn. Brooklyn Matcha. Oh God! I said sit. Fox over here. So, uh, so yeah, you heard it here first, ladies. New restaurant in Atwater. <laughs> um, Did you look at the menu at all? No, I couldn't find it. But do you want to go? I do. We should go soon. But I saw some pictures of the interior, and they have so they the dining order. area that we remember, mm-hmm. and then a wine bar, 
Mm. And then it looks like they've installed some outdoor seating. I yeah. don't know how, but from a picture. Have you seen it walking by? Mm-hmm. So they did. So they blew the brains out that side, mm. which is, you know, if you can do it in L.A., why not? Why not? And then they also have a private chef's table. I don't know if it's a chef's table or if it's just a private room or what. Um, inside, this is the coolest part to me, um, which I may never do it, but inside the... Um, uh, the wine room. <clears throat> They've got a private table, so you're surrounded by everything that they're serving. And mm-hmm. it's, I mean, this, this. I'll look up his name while you're talking next time, but I mean, he's considered to be really great. He started off working at Silver Lake Wine when it first opened. He's had multiple wine ventures, including, like I said, Barcovel. And like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's gonna, it's not, it's gonna be a great wine centric like restaurant. Yeah, it's gonna be a great wine centric restaurant without being, I would imagine, I don't know yet, without being really kind of exclusionary. I'm assuming there's going to be some like reasonably priced good wines there as well. Mm-hmm. Cause that's Covell and that's also so oh, it better wine. not be exclusionary. No, I just mean, I mean, it's just, I think it's going to be, you say there's a lot of wine bars and there's a lot of like whatever wine bars, I think, mm-hmm. or focused restaurants. And this one's going to be a very good one, mm-hmm. at least from the pedigree. Um, be good. Well, I'm excited. I think I might mosey on down there sometime this week and grab a, Grab a nibble, grab a salami. DM me. Check out we'll the meet scene. up. Maybe I will. Um, what else you got? Also, um, there's an interesting article in the New York Times, a long one, and I'm gonna have to paraphrase a lot of it. But it's more, it's a, it's about the concept that kind of this idea of weight loss and eating has kind of now disappeared, and it's been replaced by wellness mm. in the way that people are thinking about the way they eat and their lifestyles, it's no longer like women's magazine has dropped using the terms bikini body and lose two sizes. Mm-hmm. And it's more about, you know, RIP. how to be the healthy you or how to feel better about your body. Um, and it, it focuses a lot on live weight. longer. Yeah, exactly. While being fat still. No, I don't. <laughs> maybe, maybe in the future. That, that, I don't know if that's, that's a real benefit. Month. It is. Um, but it hits a lot of interesting points. It, it talks about um, it, specifically the invention of Weight Watchers. And the person right there called themselves is obese and talks about that life of constantly dieting. Or at least they mention having been that, in that place in their life. They go to ObeseCon. They talk about Oprah's history uh, about weight loss and how specific, like she's tackled that issue. ObeseCon sounds wild. Well, it's really interesting. Imagine the amount of rascals in one sitting. Well, it's mostly just people marketing different techniques of like, you know, whether it's surgical treating of people post-op from heavy weight loss surgery, or whether it's a new secret ingredient in shakes, or it's an athletic routine, but right. all focused on heavy weight loss. Right. Talk about Oprah kind of going back and forth between every five years she either introduces or talks about or writes a book about a new weight loss program, Mm -hmm. and then a few years later starts talking about how she's accepted her body and is happy, Mm -hmm. and then three years later goes back to a new weight loss program and kind of like how that schizophrenia Mm -hmm. kind of affects how insanely passionate and loyal her following is. Mm Mm-hmm. And also the idea that the science behind a true influencer, what, what we think, whether being fat is unhealthy and to what degree has changed and is still not clearly defined. Uh, you know, like the idea that in the 80s and in the beginning of Weight Watchers, it was a simple concept of 
skinny is better, skinny is healthy, fat is unhealthy, fat is gross. You get fat from eating fat and calories. Exactly. And if you don't eat, you'll be skinny. Mm-hmm. And how science has evolved, not only, I mean, and this if is talking about cottage heavy. cheese, you'll be skinny. Right. You're obviously that weight because you are lazy and you do nothing but eat fast food and, and that's it. And mm-hmm. done. And why are you that way? Mm-hmm. And you should feel bad for that. And how that I concept you ate of, the whole box of wheat thins. Well, the only and the idea too that the mm. you know that that the concept of kind of taking back that image and that representation coinciding with the science evolving about how weight loss occurs happens is can be different in between different people. It's a really long article, but it's I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like. We talk about sometimes nutrition or healthy living on this podcast, and mm-hmm. it's, I don't know, anybody uses the term diet anymore. I mean, it's not, Yeah, it's not. People in, are in never, those, I'm on a diet, they're on a cleanse, or they're sure. like, guilty. I'm restructuring my nutrition right now. Then there's, I mean. I'm only, I'm not doing red meat right now. There's elements of that that's bullshit, where you're obviously like, okay, what you're telling me is, you know, obviously you're doing this to draw pounds. But I think also it is a, it is a cultural shift, and depending on how much that mix of weight loss and health is in the concept of wellness, probably vacillates differently depending on how you're feeling or who the person is. But it definitely is in the conceit that it's, it's much more about being healthy than it is being skinny. Mm-hmm. And you, I feel like, I mean, there's a lot of pros and cons to that. I think, it's, I think it's a good thing to care about, but do you think it's the world finding a way to normalize their impending overall obesity and instead of trying to fix the problem to just make lemons out of the lemonade? I don't know. I mean, I think it's that's a it's a complicated because I feel like it's I've a complicated question to unpack because it's, it's very different. Complicated. It's different for everybody, and I think it's it changes at different periods in our lives, uh, and it can be very dependent on how we're feeling outside of just our bodies or our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, other than our like eating and exercise lives. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I I see myself doing the same thing. Where instead of, like, if I'm trying to cook something, instead of me trying to find a way to make it less caloric or fattening, I will find a way to add nutrients to it. Right. And I feel like that's shifted in the last couple of years for the way I eat. Like, instead, like, I made a vegan version of this, or I made Mm -hmm. a dairy-free version of this, or I made this instead of using bacon, I used blah, blah, blah. And, like... But now I'm just like, I'm using all of these bad things. I'm using a bunch of butter and beef and fat and pork and all that stuff, but adding things that are good for you. And I feel like that seems to be working for me better than just a straight diet. Well, it's a, it's a natural, or not natural, but it's been a consistent shift. Luckily, you know, for a long time going towards a more health-focused diet, even outside of what would be you know, constituted a, a health food restaurant, you know, like in the 90s or in the 80s. It was like if you, the more healthy things you see in restaurants now would be more relegated to like a health food store or a health food restaurant specifically. And, mm-hmm. and like with farm to table, I mean, you can go, restaurants still are heavy in the fat and the salt and always will be, but at least 
much more conscious in a lot of ways of the quality of produce mm-hmm. and doing more kind of vegetable ingredient focused dishes along with different kinds mm-hmm. of proteins depending on where you eat and i think we're more consciously focused on that i also live in a total bubble so you i know, think that's I think, going i, I mean know. i think that goes all the way up and down the chain yes like obviously much more at the top of the chain but you see you know you see fast food restaurants doing that like offering more vegetable type things Instead, it was. It used to just be like, "Here's our tofu version of that," and it's and it's not any worse for you than sure. eating the meat version of it. But now, you know, like, here's our fucking cauliflower fries. And it go. And it, again, it, again, uh, paraphrasing, but a good part of this conversation is about you know how fat is fat and how unhealthy is fat. Mm. And it's not. Re- I mean, it's talking about you know moving away from this idea that skinny is healthy. And embracing kind of um, the op- the other side of that, which is a healthy attitude about your body and what is a very unhealthy expectation or depiction of what a healthy human body is. That that is the correct answer is not pregnant, just eating good. Dang. That's my that's my portrait mm-hmm. of a healthy body and attitude. Doing fine. I'm eating good. Yeah, eating, eating good. good. <laughs> I love to be eating good. Of course. But it, I, it, well, it, that, that's, I know, it that is sense. a lot to unpack. And I think, I mean, it obviously is a negative way to look at it. But I can't help. I love to play the devil's advocate. And it feels like... Wait, the, a negative way to look at it in what way? Uh, the, the fact that people are doing less dieting and more like I'm happy with myself as long as I'm being nutritious as a way with coping with their Ooh, I, I don't imminent think, obesity. I think because all we do is sit at a desk and look at a screen all day. It's I think that's that's pushing that argument the farthest on one side to be devil's advocate. I think it's yeah. more about reacting to what has very been very, a very long standing and systemic unhealthy idea of what mm-hmm. what represents a healthy body. Yeah, I think that... And so that's that's a huge part of it is that, you know, the, the idea of it's not about losing sizes, it's about other ideas of health where it it's much more on a scientific level of, mm-hmm. you know, getting blood work done and seeing what's going on inside of you as opposed to, like, what size your genes are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I see that happening all the time. Like, I, uh, I have a family, like, family members. I have an aunt and uncle that are that are in Virginia and, like, I remember a couple years ago, I would talk to them, and I feel like their knowledge of like what you should be doing with food that most all the people I associate with already know about, just like organic vegetables are better than not organic vegetables, and like like all these little kind of like base level things that we all know, they didn't really know that, and they're like buying produce from Walmart, and I'm trying to tell them like don't do that, that's bad, and now they're like doing their own gardening and like growing their own veggies and I feel like they're a lot more conscious about it and they ha- she said she's in a face group book where they share smoothie nutrient ingredients and things like that and like like the mat like the when we discovered like spirulina and things like that it was like a cool underground health food item that you would like certain people would know or like oh I, I do wheatgrass shots like when wheatgrass right. first came out and you're like oh that's cool I'm different and weird mm-hmm. and now like everybody like everybody in the world is starting to hear about all this stuff and it's spreading like wildfire. Um, I, th- 
And yeah, the other I, I think about this all the time too about like what the what people's concepts of food is or what like when you're hungry, what do you do? And it's kind of like an idea. I, I do I this eat Cheetos with chopsticks. Why? Well, no, that's what I mean. Like when I see people, somebody like walking out of a Seven Eleven with like a twenty ounce Mountain Dew and a bag of Cheetos, it's because they're hungry, right? Mm-hmm. Well, no, or or because they're depressed or and maybe that's fill the whatever. void. But point being, like that's a, when for I a lot of Cheetos, people, like snack. Don't look at me. It's like, oh, I'm hungry. It's not dinner time. Yeah, I'm gonna get a snack, and it's like a uh, half cup of sugar, and a bunch of you like, walk right fat by the the. 49-cent banana right. that's hanging from there, and then you can go sure. and you get a kind bar because you want to be good, but it's still not good. And this is also even, I mean, again, I mentioned being in a bubble. This is not leaving out the idea of food deserts where there is nowhere for a square mile to buy a healthy piece of produce in certain areas. I mean, in, in places where you can't get a piece of fruit, the only thing that is at a bodega or a liquor store or a corner market is chips and soda mm-hmm. um but in somewhere where there is ample- you listen in tulsa we're talking about you you're talking dumbs. about los angeles <laughs> in certain neighborhoods but also that you in an area that you have abundant choices that you would reach out or that you're you're programmed to think that that's food as opposed to a treat and i, I mean all that stuff to me is like 100 percent. like that's that's something fun or that's a treat as opposed to that's food, that's sustenance, that's what I do when my body wants food. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like eating a hamburger. Mm-hmm. It's like that's not food. That's something that is like fun and enjoyable. And it's should, a treat. Yeah, and should be done, go hard on it. But don't think of it as like, oh, that's a, that's a normal meal for my body. Mm-hmm. And I think... That's conceptually just a way of looking things. And also, I'm not saying I'm right. I'm saying that applies to all I, drugs, I can... alcohol, <laughs> like every fast cars, loose women. Yeah, it applies to everything. Like sh- when you when, trying to marry, when you shoot heroin, it's a treat. It's a it's fun not, thing. It's not. <laughs> it's a fun thing that it's you. It's not should... a wake and tie. It's like no, a special no. occasion. That's a every month, month and a half. You'll do one night. Under the bridge, but then you don't. It's not your daily driver. How many people just thought? <laughs> All of them. <laughs> even even my mom was like, "Oh hell yeah, I love that. I love that video. <laughs> Great video." Yeah, I mean that was back when Kita still had those chops. Am I right? So the new summer move to me is the the beer can cocktail. Beer can cocktail. Yeah. I don't know about the beer can cocktail. Is that is it, this is either like a, a hipster fancy lad thing, or it's an alcoholic thing where you crack a Coors Light, take a big slug out of it, and then pour pop. Oh wait, no, I'm sorry. There? Breakfast beer can cocktail. Sorry, that's what I meant. Okay, so you you get a beer, drink half yeah, of it, you fill the rest up. with soft scramble. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> um, what is it? What is it? No, I forget where I saw it. So it's not my invention, but. It's taking like Aperol or Fernet, um, any An herbaceous, yeah, digestive, digestive herbal, aromatic liqueur. So just mm-hmm. taking a sip off of a beer and just adding like a little bit of that using beer as a spritz, like a light beer. Mm. Like, so did you say Moretti earlier? Moretti would be great. And why is this a breakfast thing? It was like no, a I'm totally kidding. No, that oh. was a, God damn it. That was the joke about like, is this a high end cool hipster thing or an alcoholic thing? No, it's not a breakfast thing this at all. This is what this is. This is to get out of bed. No, but it's like so you're having you know like you're having a beer while you're cooking or 
before dinner or something, mm-hmm. just doing a little splash of something aromatic. And it can be anywhere on that side of like from herbal to sweet. So this is like a hillbilly Key Royale is what it sounds 100%. like. hundred <laughs> percent. But it's also kind of like a fun way where if you've got some beer. Or a broke boy Key I mean, Royale. you're not going to do this with like an IPA. You're doing this with like a Pilsner or a Kolsch or like something very light. and A very, blank canvas. Yeah, something neutral and nice and very like carbonated. Mm-hmm. But it's really fun what that because that's a lot of these things are probably sitting on your countertop. A couple dashes of bitter. Right. You're just doing this in the can. It's kind of fun. So you're like kind a, of like making like a little bit of a shandy like scenario. Yeah, and you're not going to have six of these. This is not like an everyday thing. But Why? also the yeah, but when you have when you've got a nice beer in front of you and you got like a decently stocked bar, it's do a splash of a digestive. And when you say a splash, it's what is that? A half a shot. Yeah, or, or yeah. If is you, that a whole a full shot? It kind of probably depends on the strength that of alcohol you're using too. But uh-huh. you don't want to do a full boiler maker, so that would right. be a full shot. So yeah, like a splash, like an ounce and a half, maybe half a shot. Yeah. Okay. Half a shot. I would also I mean. Could you do that with a Corona with a half a shot of mezcal? Yeah, but, but mezcal now you're going, is the now you're south going, of the border digestif. But you're but mezcal is going to give. It's going to be less, I think, of a flavor profile change than something like we're mm-hmm. talking about. Like I don't know. It's pretty uh, smoky. I mean, how many times have you had a shot of tequila and a beer? But I'm saying mezcal. Right. Or mezcal. Or, yeah. I mean, mezcal is a strong, pungent flavor and smell. I think very smoky. But a lot of it's that's not, gonna, It's not that aromatic, though. No. But it ain't, it ain't just like pouring in some whiskey or something. I think it's you, got a lot of character. I think you definitely could, and that's fun. I think could also... Could be disgusting. I think also... Put a grasshopper in there. Ooh, mezcal's yeah. so great on its own. And so is Fernet great mm-hmm. on its own. But it's also... I mean, I, I don't know. I guess I don't know what I'm saying. There's only one way to find out, Andre. No. We uh, so we're gonna we're not gonna answer any Twitter questions or do the best thing we can because I immediately have to start pouring mezcal in a beer. Sorry, uh, we just kidding. We're I'm, just kidding. We're, we're gonna, gonna do Twitter, do Twitter questions. questions right now. Um, at Benjil Benjils, I just put way too much chili flake in my miso. How does one salvage this? Um, Miso's and hard. his his Twitter name is so in, Miso Soup Sinkhole. That's pretty funny. Miso Soup. Uh, yeah, that's the problem. He didn't say is it Miso Soup? Is it Miso Paste? So if it's Miso Soup, which I'm assuming, uh, I don't have an answer for that other than I add do. more Miso Soup. Splash a half and half will take that away. Ugh. Maybe a little sour cream. Because my first reaction to counteract that is to add sweet, and I would never do that to a Miso Soup. Yeah, you, that's what I they, mean. Also, just remember, you can ruin things, and there aren't answers to that. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of times, it's the best answer is to quadruple the recipe for if you put four times too much chili flake yeah. in, make four times that much soup, and freeze some of it and save some of it. But mm-hmm. you, sh- you should never fix a flat with duct tape. But sometimes you just got to do it. Yeah, sometimes it just don't work. I mean, and I, and I guess if you have to, you're just. I mean, the best way to counteract heat is with sugar or with sweet. Yeah, that's one thing that I learned from you that I that I didn't think would make that big of a deal, and it totally works so much better than I thought it would. Hmm. Because it it didn't like it didn't make sense in my brain that like adding sweetness to something spicy would fully eliminate it. Like I thought it just might like take your gaze away from it briefly and like kind of like help a little bit. 
but it really neutralizes heat very it, well. It helps a lot. You put too much chili flake in your uh, in your ragu, just put a couple fun dips in there. But but also, I mean, you would never do this either. But you mentioned too, dairy can also help with heat. Yeah, man. I mean, but dairy is very difficult to use if it's not already in the dish. Okay. There's very few things that can take that. I think if you if he puts too much chili flake in the miso soup, we'll say miso soup has chunks of tofu floating in it. So I would maybe get some soft silken tofu, mm-hmm. put that in a blender, and then whip whip up the miso soup with it, and then it's kind of like a soft tofu like a thicker soup and maybe that soft tofu will act as like a dairy substitute to neutralize the heat can't hurt then you'll have like a silken tofu korean style soup Mm, that sounds good at the very least you're adding mass right and the more you put into whatever that soup is that increases Mm -hmm. its volume is going to help in kind of dissipate that much concentrated heat Maybe one of those Japanese fermented like probiotic dairy drinks would be fun. Yeah, just add like seven bottles of Yakult into mm. it and you're good to go. Just half a shot. So that's what we say, friend. How do you feel about Yakult? Uh, I was, we were talking about a couple weeks ago. I was saying that's a secret ingredient sometimes in Korean oh, in the, barbecued potato that's salad. That's right. That's right. To add a little bit of tang to it. Like that little. I forgot about what that. What is that? That's Yakult. Mm. Stuff's good. I don't know. It's if good. somebody bought it for me, if, like, if it was just magically in my fridge, I drink one every day. Buying yeah, it, if you, yeah, if you grew up in a house that had a I'm case of like, Yakult in the fridge, you're going to pop one. I'm just like, I, I, why would I buy this? I know. I have been having a, a tablespoon of apple cider, apple vinegar? cider vinegar with mother in it. Mother. With a glass of water to start the morning every day. And... Replace taking a leave with concentrated turmeric capsules to help with the inflammation in my shoulder. <laughs> Things helping. Damn, so this New York Times article is written about you with your little wellness ass. Turmeric ass. Well, this, this came from my sports medicine doctor being like, don't take a leave every day, take turmeric. And I was, because I usually don't really mess around uh-huh. with taking something like that, like Tylenol or anything like that every day. But, mm-hmm. you know, a leave is pretty heavily used for anti-inflammation. And it was kind of helping. And the, the turmeric, you see it working all right. It's not hurting. And I definitely don't see it necessarily, you know, the leave doing anything Maybe, better on a daily What if you need thing. to up your dosage? Damn. I don't <laughs> know if I can handle it. Um, you know, uh, and India Sweets and Spices, the, the market right across from my house, you can buy raw whole turmeric for probably the cheapest in town there. No, it's, one, it, yeah, it's like, and then you can just... Kind of like some weird medicine grade something or other. Hey, there's nothing better than the source, baby. Let's take lot. that turmeric. I don't know if I'm really... I mean, that's a Make lot a of tea out of too. it. I mean, there's a lot of things involved. There's and you not, have one of those ginger grinders just... Mm. Ginger grinder's great. You could have one too for fourteen ninety five on Prime. It's too much. Next question. DJ Shano, I just want to go somewhere and eat with you once or 56 times. The answer is no, Sean. I'm not doing that. I'm going with a maybe. <laughs> just kidding, Sean. Love you. We'll go eat sometime. Never. Next question. Ian, no such thing as a stupid question. That's not a question at all. David Cho, what would you not put an egg on? I think that's a personal cool. dig at me because he's commented on me putting an egg on things uh, multiple times over the years. Before it was hot, during its heat, after it was hot, and it was done, and people, and I'm still doing it. 
I would not put an egg on a bowl of cereal. I will say that. That's so funny. That's the first thing I thought of was granola popped into my head. I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> granola. I just pictured like granola and somebody putting like a nice like sunny side up egg on top and I'd be like, no, don't do that. What's something that you would put an egg on that might secretly low key be delicious, but nobody's done it yet? Like, would it be good in a peanut butter and jelly? Oddly. Oh, for sure. For, for sure? There's nothing. What yeah. Do you mean for sure. There's nothing that would be weird about that. There'd be no weird flavor. Peanut fla- butter and eggs there's, is weird. There's, I mean, okay, look. A, f- uh, a nice, like, soft fried egg is the most neutral thing on earth. I guess you're right. You wouldn't even notice it. The only thing that would, it would be actually creamier, you get some yolk in there, but, like, there's no. Egg doesn't have a flavor profile, it's got fat and protein. Maybe I was overthinking this. Maybe you're right. It's got texture. I mean, it would be weird to me to have that in granola <laughs> because of, like, that yes. texture would be kind of strange. Uh-huh. But if you put that... So maybe peanut butter and jelly, not the worst idea. Not the worst idea. Although you just, in a peanut butter and jelly, you don't need the kind of nutrition that an egg is going to give you. We're not talking about nutrition. Okay. We're talking about levels I also of don't know if it's got value added to Being it. able to choke but it down. I don't down. think it's that weird at all. I mean, I, I do like, but egg and liquid, like I do like a quail egg in an oyster shooter. Of course. I feel like that's something that needs to be explored a little bit more. I mean, a I yolk. Want, listeners at home, I want you to take the uh, oyster shooter further. I mean, a yolk is just a very nice, I guess, stronger texture, but it's just, you know, like a really very high fat dairy at the end of the day. I mean, there's not a lot. You put... That's not like, dairy? No, but I mean, like, on a yolk on your tongue compared to, like, oh, heavy okay. whipping cream, mm-hmm. like a nice pulled raw yolk, it's, like, it's very similar and has very little taste. It's more about a texture thing. And also, I yeah. think if you give somebody a yolk to eat, they're going to kind of freak out and think it's gross and think about Rocky or something, uh-huh. chugging eight, eight egg yolks each morning before a run. Mm-hmm. But if you had some way to introduce it to them where they weren't visually or mentally kind of prejudging it and just taking it on its on its pure kind of tactile sensation mm-hmm. it's not that weird and the flavor's not that off. i mean it's not really that weird put it on a wheat then that'd be nice sure i mean i think in in theory you would want to kind of like temper the yolk to give it a little bit more body than just a raw yolk but i don't know mm-hmm i think that's good but what a, what would you put it on what would you not put it on so you said cereal that's your answer Yes. Anything else that comes to mind? I mean, it doesn't even need to be anything else. Sure. I would probably have it on ice cream, oddly enough. Like, it sounds kind of interesting. I mean, it sounds horrible, but maybe I'd give it a try. Who knows? Um, next question. Uh, Chris Black, he tweeted that Drake is now one of Matcha Bar's top investors. Rapper Drake. Mm. And then Ken Leak13 said, is this going to be the new poke avocado toast trend? He said he's admittedly in. And I was just talking to Ari from Alma, the chef from Alma today. We were playing some tennis and talking about matcha. And he's like, it tastes like like just earth, like dust. Yeah. Dust and dirt. And I... I don't hate matcha, but I don't really like it. I would ne- I would never really order it. It doesn't, and I don't feel like a cool, clean high like it from it either, like I would from caffeine uh, in coffee. Very few things I've had with matcha in it that I thought were better for it. I find it 
very similar to just being kind of earthy. And and powdery if it's not mm. dissolved well. I mean like mm-hmm. But I like a like a like a matcha green tea mochi ice cream sometimes. That's fine. I mean that's kind of like where it lives. That's where it mm-hmm. I mean that's like the invention of it practically. It's like we house. Yeah, it's like saying Yeah, like, green tea ice cream. Like if there was like a new steak powder bar. And you're <laughs> like, Yeah, I don't like it on everything. I mean I liked it when it was a steak, but like <laughs> um steak powder. Yeah, I, but I, 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 I think the stew podcast is unanimously not team matcha. There's Maru that does an, a really incredible green tea matcha latte. It is good. Um, and I also didn't try it for a long time until you and my friends, shout out Yayo, convinced, us, or convinced me that it was really good because I would never order that on a menu seeing it. Yeah. But you guys say it's great. I'll, I'll definitely try it, and I, I do love it. It's great. It's good, but I would also still, very few things. I still would never over- order it. I would need to wait to hear that I need to order it. Next question, Carlos is dumb. My man, Carlos. I disagree. Potatoes overrated, question mark. Oh, hell no. Potatoes are not overrated at all. They're a fucking super fruit. (laughs) They're so incredible. Potatoes are the new acai. No, I just, yeah, there's... Yeah, I think potatoes are wonderful and great. In all forms. In all forms. You want to mash them, you want a sweet potato, you want to fry, you want a crisp. Just a Yukon Gold in a pan. A little duck fat. Yeah, delicious. Done. I think that, and also a potato, especially like a fried or a roasted, that's one of those, it's like make me an omelet kind of level of thing. Sure. Like if you're able to like masterfully roast a potato, because it's not that easy to do. Because like people for the last 30 years have been having dinner parties and horribly roasting potatoes and for, for decades and everyone just eats them and they're like, mm, these are yummy. But like they, you, they look golden brown and delicious. Maybe they're a little burnt. Maybe a little under. But like it, you, it, you rarely eat a roasted potato where you like they nailed this perfectly. If you asked everyone, which is a bummer, everyone in the world, what's yourself included, what's your favorite food? Top ten list of favorite foods. Mm-hmm. You would either have French fry on it, or yeah. if it didn't, and you said, "What about French fries?" It'd be like, "Oh shit, yeah, all right, let me yeah, knock yeah, something yeah, off. Yeah, let me yeah. put French fry on there." Mm-hmm. A good and same thing for a fry. When you get a good ass fry, you savor that fry. It's incredible. You you subscribe to that. Fry. But also like the the versatility and the fact that you can basically live off of a potato, not healthy. How mm-hmm. easy it can grow. Um, what you can do, what the starch itself can add to soups or sauces, be eaten on its own. Mm. Um, it's an incredible. It's an incredible little thing. Uh, next question, Sean, Sean Spicer, <laughs> uh, my man, Sean, what's God up? Damn it. <laughs> that's <Nearer>. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm sure that's what it says. Um, he has three questions. Number one is a very big question. Is food becoming too popular? Which you could definitely Ooh. do a whole podcast oh about. God. You could do, yeah, you could do a 10 part series on it. Yes. In a, in a way that someone who is, does a food podcast? Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean you. Yeah, <laughs> you eat to live, not live to eat. Or there's a very there's a very specific balance in how we look at and fetishize food, um, and how that can be a really unhealthy relationship to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's becoming. I mean, I don't know. I mean, is I it think be- a lot of the same points that I would have for this. Are the same that we were talking about for the dieting also, versus nutrients. But I think food's entered into a level of fashion that, um, you know, 
makes sense, but is at its pinnacle, and I think Instagram's got is a huge contributor to that. Do you think it's at its pinnacle? No, or or like at its at, at its pinnacle it thus far. It hasn't been this high. It, yeah. yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. and and directly related to Instagram, I feel like somehow that that way of sharing food just really kind of put it on a level of of owning a new a new pair of shoes or a new pair of pants that way of kind of photographing yourself eating food didn't really exist without mm-hmm. cell gets- phone cameras and a delivery system which was Instagram uh-huh. in a way that like you could post feel pictures attacked. of people wearing clothes or you'd see that magazine you now you now have extent. a viable excuse to take a selfie of like or the, or i'm the, eating this weird boba <laughs> yeah, the, and i'm not wearing pants the mainline envy delivery system of like i'm here eating this what are you doing i'm a hot chick but like i also love pizza is that bad and that was like you know it's like a vacation photo it's like, look mm-hmm. at me in the Bahamas. Look at me here eating this. And I'm food. I, I mean, make was enough money to eat at to this like restaurant. The dining section, or kind of mm-hmm. like conversation with friends of like, oh, have you eaten here yet? It's great, dude. Uh, remember when we were that, we were watching that put H- it on steroids? When I felt this when we were watching last the most recent episode of HBO's Ballers. Oh sure, where they were staying at the Cosmopolitan Hotel in Vegas, and they were weaving in Momofuku. Oh yeah, multiple times, like like five different times in the episode, they mention Momofuku at the at the Cosmopolitan, and then like the final scene culminates with them eating at Momofuku and receiving like stellar service and a great dining experience. Sure, to the point where it's a plot point in a TV show. So maybe it, it maybe it is too popular. Shit, I don't know. But also like that's what I want I think, to happen. I think the conversation is not well, or at least. He's got a specific question. I would rephrase that in that, have we lost sight of what makes food important and and how we appreciate it? Um, I would say 100%. For the the majority of the world, that's been long gone. Yeah, it's very much like a checkbox of like, have you been here? No, you haven't. Well, that's Mm -hmm. too bad. (laughs) Like it's become kind of... You haven't been to Nobu? It's been a, a cool factor that um well it was just distracting and not fun and I, I think that always existed you know th- whether you could get a table at spago or you know that's always been a mm-hmm. thing but i think it's on a level that's so much bigger um and it's you know god it's got like top chef kids or t- mm-hmm. whatever chopped kids or you know like <laughs> in a way that like chopped kids these kids are coming out and they're mimicking kind of high art fine dining and jumping to that place as opposed to starting from a level of like, oh, we cook food to like, you know, mm-hmm. celebrate our friends and family and, and we get together and it represents spending time and sharing. I love that you hold on to the core values. They just go straight to like, what's the craziest ingredient that I well, can turn into a foam? And it's like, get the fuck out of here. I've with used that this shit. analogy and I've, on a podcast before to very poor results, but I feel like it'll work on you. Much like the scene in the 80s surf film North Shore. Oh, yeah. He you, wants to go straight to the hot dogger board, the cool classic 80s, you know, wild freestyle you get on trick the 10 board. footer, baby. And then he get on get that nine footer. The, the Zen sensei master, you have to no. start, you have to carve your board out of a palm tree 
and then you learn on that, and then you work your way down to that. That's the way it should be. And it's not even it's not even so much paying your dues. But I am not doing that. Learning to trying to <laughs> learn to appreciate what I don't know what I mean. Our this is just such a personal take on it, but what makes me happy about food is not um, mm-hmm. the the impressing, but more about like the celebrating the people that you eat with, and hopefully the impressing and the good food comes from that. So you use food to. Have people hang out with you? Yeah, because that's the only way they'll it's do the it. The only way that's they'll it. do it. That's all I got. Honey trap. Li- quite I literally, mean, a honey nut Cheerio trap. I used to give out money, and yeah. then it got <laughs> awkward, and people thought it was weird. So I just spent that money on food, and then it became uh-huh. less weird. That's your angle. Yeah, smart. Yeah. Um, his next question: simple summer meal to impress a lady. The answer is Nobu. <laughs> Sushi is really good on a hot day. You can sit outside at the Malibu one. And she'll definitely be impressed. Don't do valet. Don't park. I think um, salads, um, really light, kind of bright, crisp things are always really nice. I think. I'm, I'm saying. I'm saying caprese. I like. We both have played. We both have done this forever. I mean, it's, it's not. It's such a simple, stupid dish. But when Macaroni sweet corns, salad. when sweet corns in season, uh, and some mint. Um, corn cut off the cob, and then whether your acid is lime, lemon, vinegar, a little bit of sugar, and then maybe some tomato, some shaved fennel. Like when you're playing with like some scallion, yeah, scallion, dill, anything that's bright, aromatic, clean, has texture, and also is really healthy. Feta. I think, yeah, if you want to add some cheese in there, feta could be good. Feta sometimes, if you're going to do that, add feta as you serve it. Because when feta breaks down into the acid, then it just gets kind of like a soupy coated. It, it just like uh-huh. coats everything and starts to dull all those flavors that are in there. Some people like that. No. But Nobody yeah, you're, that. that's, that's true. It should be sprinkled on at the end because it can emulsify. Yeah. It just but sometimes just... I kind of like that TBH. Like I like that on a fatouche. Then next day? When the feta kind of breaks down a little bit and it kind of creates like a delivery device for all the other flavors sometimes. Sure. If the salad is bold enough to stand on its own. So yeah, I would say simple corn salad or a seasonal caprese where you and just... Caprese is you, you a great draw, answer. But you, you, Very make, much you so. make a caprese which is... Arguably the most simple salad you can ever make, but it's it, you want it to be the most expensive salad you've ever made. You want to spend yeah. four dollars you know, a tomato. Did you he buy say a really, summer dish? Uh, simple summer meal. Super, yeah. So summer you're going to get tomatoes. So absolutely. Mm. So yeah. So get like a real crazy looking heirloom tomato that's perfectly ripe. Get some really strong floral yum yum olive oil. Get this some colors, mold on sea salt. Yeah. Fresh cracked pepper. You get the, the the mozzarella cheese. That's like the really expensive or one. burrata, or burrata. Oh, brother! Throw some peaches on there. Ah, grill those peaches first, <laughs> bro, daddy. That's good. Put some, uh, and then final the final touch. Some of those uh, finger lime caviar. Ooh, oh, that's yeah. just gonna do a weird pop in your finger limes. On I've the never cooked with that, but I get so happy when I eat it in a dish. Mm-hmm. Finger limes are incredible. I never see them anywhere. I don't know. I've where only it, seen them at Erewhon. I don't know where. Yeah. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's... I have stolen one from Erewhon and eaten it on premises. <laughs> that's truly a place where you're like, "Hey, I'm just gonna drink this," and they're like, "All good, brother." 
We're so rich. We made $5,000 on the girl in front of you on smoothies alone. You can eat that finger line. It's fine. His final question, who wins in a cage match, Emerald or Balud? I don't... I mean, it's going to be Emerald. He's he's bigger. You spend that much time walking home at 2 a.m. in the in the French Quarter of Louisiana. He's got more New Orleans. Smarts. Yeah, I mean, just got like if Emerald took his shirt off, it would just look like a Rambo movie. He's yeah. been stabbed so many times walking around New Orleans. Are you kidding me? Emerald gets stabbed a lot. A still. lot. It's a I fact. saw him at Soho House. That's he was science. like, "Please call." Did you really see him at Soho House? I did. It's tight. I was like, "Damn, William Shatner!" Wait a minute, that's Emerald, and yeah. I freaked out. Uh, he wasn't that nice. Next question from Mike Cord, Cord with an E at the end, Corday. Mike, okay, that's not, he's not tricking us into saying something there. Corday. Touch my cord. Is it cord like Lord is what it's, what it's like. Got it. Uh, he says, perfect vegetable stock. I like to throw in some kombu. Yeah. I, think, I think kombu in the vegetable stock is great. I don't, I, I don't think I ever make vegetable stock. I never make vegetable stock either because why? But, com- make- but kombu, absolutely. I think I think a good vegetable stock that you can make super easily without even using vegetables is like sticking with the combo and then getting some dried mushrooms mm-hmm. and like just go to an Asian market and you know spend five dollars on mushrooms and combo. It's like two bucks or something like that, super cheap for a little bag, and you have like an instant super flavorful, pretty damn good vegetable stock. I think combo is great. I don't have much to add on a vegetable stock other than. All the vegetables, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you're gonna go mirepoix heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I heavy. what I would say with any kind of stock, which sometimes you don't think about, um, adding lemongrass or kefir lime mm. or other ingredients like that, anise, a little bit of ginger, some anise, just anything like that. I mean, it's it's not going to be for your matzo ball soup or your split pea, but depending mm-hmm. on what that stock's going to be used for. Mm-hmm. It's going to be used for a curry or an Asian-leaning dish. Or I mean, there are really nice aromatics that I, I think sometimes go overlooked that really can What about be a potato? Would a potato bring anything to the table other than the potato tastes good at the end? I mean, it could thicken it, but I would thicken it in a different way. But it might. Sour cream? I, I think Smart. All, the only thing that's going to... God damn it. I think the only thing that's going to happen is they're just going to release starch. Yeah, it'll just, just but, make it weird. Fennel? Um, I mean, you can, fennel's nice. Yeah, fennel for sure. I mean, you, leeks. You know, you, people do a leek in there, right? Sure, sure. Um, but yeah. mushrooms, mushrooms would be if I was going to really think about a vegetable stock. Yeah, absolutely, because that's like your beefiest flavor that you're going to. It's a put turbocharger. In there. Yeah, it's great. Um, but you probably already know that if you're on kombu levels, Mike. Yeah, for sure. Next question, my dear friend Elliot Foos, my barista man. Do you have a favorite nut? <laughs> what a what a nice, honest I, I, question. I do, a thousand percent. Um, I really like, I think, okay, what's your favorite nut for eating on its own and then mm. in food? I think, I think in a salad, a hazelnut in there is a real nice vibe. I think it creates like a, like a toasted, crushed hazelnut mixed in there can really elevate shit well. But also hazelnut's one of the more expensive nuts you can buy. Not a cheap. So nut. in a se- wait. So eating. Okay. All right. You finish. But, but then I'm go for, back to what for you're a straight straight snacking. I mean, it's hard to compete with the macadamia fresh Damn. fresh cut, which is probably what you were going to say. No. Ooh, but because I, I every, forgot about that. Because every Christmas, 
I forgot about that. Jill and Donald send over the, the kilo of macadamia nuts, and then you pull out your industrial grinder. That's how I know Christmas time is here. It's not even a grinder. It's like a, a straight-up Hawaiian macadamia nut cracker, it's a, which is it's, a very specific device. Yeah, it's a specific it's device that's only made for It really doesn't work for anything else but macadamia, macadamia nuts. nuts. And it's also like a two-foot-long like metal wow. and wood construction device. Like it's, it's heavy hardware. And those macadamia nuts come from uh, our friend Frank and Evelyn's uh, macadamia nut orchard on Kauai. So shout outs to them. We're not giving and Frank my and mom Evelyn and dad. free fucking and my promo. Mom and dad. Well, they don't, it's not for sale. They just have this huge orchard. All right, and I'm back. We do it for the love, my baby. Mom, my mom and dad shout outs for sending that. Mm. But yeah, it's it's hard to describe a fresh raw macadamia nut because I don't think it's very easy to get them, but they're they're so great. Mm-hmm. They're but, so different than a roasted macadamia nut. It's true. They're soft, milky, subtle, refined. My kind of I like a milky nut. I forgot about that on its own. I was just I'm that such a you, peanut oh, yeah. head. I was gonna say peanut head both rounds. That was but that's what I'm that's what I'm gonna finally land on is munching a a well salted and roasted peanut is so good. That's what I mean it's well salted it's number one dry for a roasted honey roasted Plain, I love a honey boiled wasabi. Oh my god! And then, so in dishes, not I would not put a peanut in a salad unless it was like a Thai noodle salad, mm-hmm. but like a normal mm-hmm. kind of like you know just a, a, a loose leaf like herbal salad. Ooh. Would never put a peanut in there. That's very weird. But texture wise, in dishes, in rice dishes, noodle dishes, mm-hmm. a, t- a roasted roll. a roasted crushed peanut is just crazy. How it's just so good. Speaking of peanuts and last week's but episode, allergy so heavy. Yeah, that's true. But if you have a food allergy, you're not listening to this. Just kidding. <laughs> Shout out to all of our allergy listeners. Send me a donation. <laughs> Uh, I was talking to John from Cato last week's episode. Uh, he posted a picture on Instagram of that the sauce that we were talking about, the uh, the fried Thai chilies with the peanuts in it mm-hmm. that you used in your or not Thai, Taiwanese. no uh, Taiwanese Taiwanese that that mixture of cooked down chilies with the with the oil and the peanuts. Incredible. And he posted a picture of him with a tub of store bought hummus with that on top. Oh. And I was like, damn, so that's, down. A, that's a good idea. So down. And then we were talking. He's like, I re- actually really want to make um, a ranch dressing with, with that in it. Sure. And then I was like, mm, fried pickles with the ranch, with that Thai, Taiwan spice ranch. I so mean, you know me in fried pickles. You might see it on the menu. Who knows? I'll commit crimes for fried pickles. Next question. Hughes Maxwell TJ's the third. <laughs> Hughes Maxwell the third. TJ's and Andre's coffee brew method at home. I like that you're calling me TJ first of all, Max Cyber Max. It's I think it's sticking. <laughs> TJ's in the building. You're listening to the stew. Um, for me, I do every morning a pour over. I think it's the V60 pour over, where it's the either the plastic or the ceramic little thing. You can buy the plastic ones. I prefer the ceramic but they they chip and break when you're washing them or you can drop one and it'll break or like it'll it'll slowly like get fucked up over the over the weeks um get a little crack the coffee seeps into it and it discolors so i like the plat but it doesn't retain it retains heat better than the plastic but plastic never breaks i have a clear one because it just i don't know it looks cooler mm-hmm. and then uh i have a an electric grinder that's like a nice burr grinder. It's not the craziest one, but it does the job. 
and then just do a pour over. I'll have an electric kettle that my mom got me for Christmas, and I use it every day. I just make a pour over every morning, rain or fall. Rain or fall. <laughs> uh, Is that an emo band? Rain, <laughs> rain or snow, rain or shine. That's what I do every morning. If I, I, there's hardly ever a day where I don't make a pour over the first thing in the morning. And that's it. And I just drink it black. Um, I always do 2% milk a little bit with my coffee. Uh, it's Chemex. Podcast is over. And, uh, 2%? Why 2%? I just, I, uh, it's just a balance. Why not a whole? Because it's just I like to balance the 2%. Oh. I mean, look, it's not. I'm, this is this Andre. Is I'm doing a, you know, an impression of your mom right now. Andre. So it's not, you know, it's not the true coffee head. It's not barista. It's not the true. Milk. It's not the true foodie head either. You should never have fat-free milk or non-fat milk. You should just have it's whole 2%. milk. Two percent. It's not close. It's that next level to whole. It's two percent, aka low-fat milk. And I'm talking to you too, mom. <sighs> Anyway, my mom doesn't drink milk, but tell so Chemex, tell the rest of the family. Uh, Virtuosa Baratza Burr Grinder set to like thirty or thirty-one, which is kind of like Swag. kosher salt. Um, nice I do thirty-six grams to six hundred grams of water. Oh, I use two scoops. <laughs> um, I've got a gooseneck. Uh, kettle that we can dial in the temperature, so it's like two hundred five, two hundred six degrees, oh. just under boiling. Um. So what the? F- I mean, this I is love like, our stark differences. This here. is the very simple version. I'm sure you do the same thing. So when water comes to temperature, you wet the filter to get all that paper taste out of the water. Dump that in the sink mm-hmm. while the filter's still in there. Uh, put in the coffee. Forty five minutes. Uh, I mean, forty five minutes. Forty five seconds. One hundred and fifty grams of water. Let the coffee plume. Um. Then at forty five seconds, I added another. Th- 300 grams of water. Mm-hmm. So we're at 450. And then at two minutes, I add the last 150 and then kind of scale that if I'm using making more or less coffee. But trying to get a full extraction. Kind of do a science. At, I like it. Full extraction before f- at, or at or a little bit over four minutes. Bravo, I say. Um, so yeah, you heard it here first, my friends. Uh, we actually have a lot more questions that we're not going to be able to get into. We're going to save them, though, because we need um, them. <laughs> we will need them. Andy, quick take on kombucha. I, I'm fine with kombucha. I don't really I love it. I don't really see myself buying it as much as I used to anymore. No, I, I still, like, I don't, it's hard for me because I, I, I'm dollar watching. Yeah. It's hard to drop four bucks on kind of like anything that's, I'm like, eh. One water free. Well, just buying like lots of fresh juices and, 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 at the farmers and market, get and then just adding sparkling water has been, you know, like my mm. carbonated beverage of choice. Shouts, Ojai Citrus Market must be nice. But um, I love kombucha. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, it's also it's not something you want to overdose with. I mean, I think you don't want more than like sixteen ounces of kombucha a day. Mm-hmm. It's got a decent amount of sugar. Yeah. I mean, there's, you don't want too many probiotics in your body. It's not like you can't get enough. Mm. You definitely can put too much of that in your system. Um, but I love it. So for listeners, one bucha day max. Nah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know, but that, no, that, that's I feel like that's already too much. That's how I live. Yeah, that might even be too much already. Mm-hmm. Bucha only on the weekends, you guys. I'm a huge fan of it. Um, Ian, 
he who listens all the time. He has a big question that we can't get to this week, which is your thoughts on the Bon Appetit 50 Best New Restaurants. I think we're going to have to do some research on that because most of them... I have not eaten at 49 of them. (laughs) And it sucks because like since they're new and they're like all... Over the world, or all over the country, like yeah. I don't know, I haven't even heard of most of them. Sure, and I have a fucking food podcast. <laughs> Fly me out. So that's going to take some time. Uh, we're going to have to go through these quick because we're already. We're going to do them. We're going to do all of them. We're going to just blast. We're, tra- we're going to blast. Blasting. Okay, filter bear, saddest meal you've ever eaten. <laughs> that's a good one. Mashed potatoes at like four in the morning in college. Just like I'm going to come home. And just eat mashed potatoes. <laughs> uh, I mean, I feel like it has to involve... Like, my saddest meals... It's happened before when my friend and I... We'll say his name's Dano. We'll go... We'll, he'll be like, yo, I want to go to Del Taco. And then we go to the drive through We're in the back of the Uber. And then I order my food. And he orders, like... His order times, but everything is four of each. Uh, so and, and so like there's two people, and we end up we leave there with twelve items. And I'm like, wow, you must be a hungry guy. <laughs> You're you ordered so much food. You're just gonna. Eat any and then we go to my house, plop the bags on the table, and he falls asleep on the couch. And then the sad part hasn't even started yet. Oh, you eat all of it because I eat all my food. <laughs> And he's sitting there snoring. He's sawing logs. And then I started looking at his breakfast burrito that's now 45 minutes expired. Sure. I'll start eating a little bit of that food. Oh, man. <laughs> it's like the animal eating its, its dead owner's body. Oh. It's, like, it's like the cat nibbling at the owner's, mm-hmm. the owner's eyeball because it's, it's dead now for four days. <laughs> Technically an hour. But like, oh. I'm, I'm, wow, you just took it from dark to darker. Well done. Um, okay, we've, um, AD says best nut, period, for cooking or otherwise. We, I guess we've already Peanut. covered that. A lot of nut co- comments today. Um, so we have already covered that. Oh, I love that. It's so boring, but I just love the peanut. <laughs> um, Nikki Jaggerman from Tall Tales podcast sent a video, um, of a guy peeling a peach in one motion. Where it's like he's holding a peach in both hands and he uses his thumbs to separate the skin all in one piece and then peels in one motion the entire skin off of the peach. And I feel like. First response to that very ripe peach. I don't know. I think oh, for sure. I think a very ripe peach might give you more trouble. I think it's not going to hold its structural integrity. This is my hypothesis. He, I haven't seen the video. For it's the a, I think he blanches the peach before he or oh, she. Oh yeah, okay. But that. it looks like man hands. Sure. I think I think it's I think they're doing a peach blanch. And we can do that with a tomato very easily. If you score the bottom, mm-hmm. blanch it. I mean, they peel in sixty seconds. Peach blanche is the. Uh, I mean, we does to, she have a question or just a video? Link? That was just. Can you do this? <laughs> Shout out, Snicky. Uh, Naomi Fry. Um seasoned writer and pod fan wants to know when she'll be invited on this pod she did tall tales before i know i've, I've never met her but know me whenever you're in la you're always welcome it's an open door policy baby know um, me you're all my friend's favorite person apparently because they all talk about you yeah. all the time saying good things 
Molly Stilo must eat cheap eats in New York. I mean, that's a real tough one because there's so much. I mean, let's just keep the theme going. Get a bag of hot nuts on the street corner. That's a classic oh, quintessential sure. New York meal. On a cold, chilly night, drop whatever it is, a buck thirty-nine. I don't know. And get a bag I mean, full like, of hot nuts. Warm your soul and your spirit. For a city that I, I did, I lived in a long time ago, um, and don't know as well in that way. Um, I mean, still falafel, dirty water dog, mm-hmm. shawarma. I mean, like street street eats to me was always like I never got sick, and it always tasted good. Yeah. But cheap eats as far as like what I mean. Oh, there's a place in in Hell's Kitchen, a dumpling place that is incredibly oh, good. That just reminded me of I my go perfect to answer. All the time that is like it's like six dumplings for two dollars and they're great. You um, just reminded me of an actual answer that is good. It's um it's in like right where Little Italy meets Chinatown. It's on Mulberry Street. It's called HK Wonton Garden, and it's a little hole in the wall, dirt cheap spot. But you can get um, wonton soup that has duck in it as uh-huh. well. Yeah, and it's like eight bucks or something like that. And they don't have beers on the menu, but you can ask them, and they'll give you like some ching taos, like a cold beer. All the guys who work there are, are there tables. Are, yeah, there's tables. My place is just like it's a menu. It's a to, it's a to go only spot. Oh, okay, just like a, a window that you walk up to. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's my answer. HK Wonton Garden. Um. All right, Andre. I'll try and find the dump my dumpling place for the next podcast. Please, the best thing that we ate all week. I'm gonna say um, my meal that I had last night. I went to a place in Little Tokyo here in LA downtown. It's called Suhiro. It's like a. It's it's right. It's like a few doors down from Daikokuyo, which is like the yeah. You mentioned yeah, the, inf- the infamous before, ramen right? place. Like in Little Tokyo, it's the one where there's like 50 people waiting for a table at the ramen place at any given moment. Just like Silver Lake Ramen, but it's actually good. Yeah, but it's not that. Good. Yeah, it's not that whatever, good, but it's, it's good. I mean, it's good. I would never wait in so line saying, for but it. But Suhiro, you've mentioned this to me. So before. Suhiro, it's like a S U E. I-H-I-R-O. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's like a Japanese cafe, just how you would imagine like a, an honest, true Japanese cafe to be in Japan. It's very out of a Murakami novel. Like All the people there are really nice and welcoming. And there's like all the... <laughs> Did you just drop what I think you dropped? <laughs> yeah. All right, keep going. Thoughts? Nope, keep going. Bad thoughts? Good thoughts. No, you're fine. Mm. Like the decor hasn't changed since the 70s. Um, and they have this thing called the okonomi plate, which is like a combination plate. It's like a big kind of trough. And you can order, like, there's like a few different sides you can get in like a main course and things like that. Um, and the way I get it, it costs like 13 bucks or something like that. And you get um, some like vegetable or meat gyozas. You get a bowl of rice, two fried eggs macaroni salad, coleslaw, and uh, chicken katsu. Hmm. And it's just like this super home-style, very welcoming, simple meal. And um, you, you get the bowl. Of, it's just a bowl of steamed white rice. You take the two fried eggs, put them on top of the rice, pour some soy sauce, maybe a little katsu sauce, and then with your chopsticks, you mix it all up, and you make like this egg yolky 
delicious rice. You have like the spicy hot mustard for the chicken katsu. The the macaroni salad's really good. They give you like a little miso soup at the beginning. It's a nice, and but it's like, it's a real heartwarming, comforting meal. It's like the Japanese version of macaroni and cheese and mashed potatoes and Thanksgiving turkey or something. I'm assuming. Sounds great. So that's what I recommend. And a lot. And I posted a picture of it yesterday, and a bunch of people are asking where I was. But Suhiro, and they make great T-shirts that I bought and lost. Ah, fun night. <sighs> Worth it. I'll tell you after the pod. I like it. <laughs> um, so I ate at a Korean restaurant called Jinsol Gukbap, yeah. which uh, has a few things. It specializes really, like, there's only about four or five things on the menu. Um, two versions of the cold noodles, your favorite. Namyang. Namyang. Um, and then they do, uh, like, a Hamji Park-style spicy pork ribs. They're mm-hmm. grilled, charred. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they do, and you've been there, I think, right? You said you've mm-hmm. been there. Mm-hmm. And then they do a hot pot braised pork belly dish where mm. basically when you order it, um, it comes out. It's got the sterno at the bottom of a hot pot, so it's stayed hot the entire time at your table, mm-hmm. boiling the, the water it comes in. Um, really nice, delicate, sliced pork belly. Um, and then they also bring out uh, pork neck soup broth. Mm. Uh, and then you've got five or six banchan with um, uh, daikon, kimchi. What was on there? Um, All the usual stuff. Oh, they had like a, a white cabbage I don't see very often as a banchan that is mm-hmm. almost pickled and, and in the same way. Not quite a sauerkraut, more of a kimchi, but mm-hmm. like just a white straight with no gojujang. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And then the, uh, some rice. It's and then a, a baru-ass appetizer. Yes. And then uh, you've got some of the like fermented small brine shrimp and salt to add to the pork neck soup, which is really kind of mild. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got some of the chive greens that are mm-hmm. a little soy oil on them, mm-hmm. toasted sesame, and there's one other thing there that's... You got the perilla leaves as well? No. That, none of that. There's no lettuce wraps. Oh, the um, the fermented bean paste that is not gojujang. Oh, just like miso? Yeah, it's kind of miso tasting, but it's kind of like that like light brown flex. It's a fermented bean paste, but it's not gojujang. Um, and then you've got like the like miso, the light soy with um, sliced daikon and jalapeno in it. Like mm-hmm. you get at a, a Korean barbecue. barbecue. Um, and so then you're just slowly taking the pork belly out of that and either pairing it and dropping it on the rice or and the pork it belly with a piece is in these kimchi. little like rectangle square, like the size of a wheat thin, perhaps. Yes, we, that's a great. Descri- like I was a, trying to figure out how to describe it, and I think wheat thin's perfect. It's like two and a half wheat thins stacked on top of each inch other, inch and a half by inch and a half square, basically. Mm-hmm. There's a little and bit, of, and a little bit of fat on top, and they're yeah, mm-hmm. they're in a circle. Sliced. They're arranged beautifully in an ornate circular position, like a like a circle of dominoes knocked down. Yeah, ooh, yeah, paint that picture. Speaking of Murakami, and there's there's a uh, there's He's a good. little there's a little fat cap left on it that you can easily pull off if you want to, or but some, don't eat some of it, and I save some of it later, put on the rice. Um, and as the meal goes on, the broth that it's sitting in gets a little bit more milky and a little bit more sure, flavorful. The fat's starting to render into it already, mm-hmm. um, and also it's, the pieces that you stay. So when I take the fat off the top, 
to eat later, definitely put back in the broth to keep it softening and rendering. Mm, smart. Um, but that setup there, so dishes kind of vary between you know nine dollars and and I think eighteen or twenty dollars because they also have um, short ribs there, Colby. But that if you go and it's the one thing on the menu that says like I think it's called pork setup, mm-hmm. but it's that entire <laughs> thing for ten ninety nine. Damn. You could easily split it with like one more side dish between two people. It's a lot of food, mm-hmm. but it's great. Yeah, it, it doesn't. When it comes out, it doesn't look that big. But then when you're halfway through, you're like, mm, well, I'm going to finish they're, this. They're replacing all the banchan, all the kimchi, whatever mm-hmm. you, you know, whatever's sitting in front of you that's not pork. As much rice. Oh, and then that's right. There's um, sliced rice noodle that comes in that you can add to the soup if you want to. Mm. I forgot about that. That was one thing. Um, I went there with David Cho, who's been on the show before, mm-hmm. um, famed Korean, and he. My favorite thing to do when I eat with him is high drinks and cause trouble. Um, and and I or and I asked when when we finished eating it, I asked for a to go container for the broth because I, I wanted to take it home because it's delicious. And he like turned a ghost. He was just like, "Oh, you know, you should not. Don't ask for that. It's bad." And then they seemed fine with it. And I took it home and I used it to cook, oh, cook some beans in. I know. And they made say. some really good refried beans. But what did it look like in the fridge after 12 hours? It looked like a solid white block hockey of lard. Block. It's a block yeah. of lard. It's just a block of the lard. Yeah. And that made the beans taste so good. Sure. There's a, I mean, it's weird to have a Korean flavored bean and it's so good. Has a little like a, a, a hint of ginger, a hint of garlic, a little bit of scallion that's cooked in there. Delish. So, listeners at home, take that broth. Yeah. Also, the one side note too is that it's on parking stinks. It's on parking stinks, but it's on basically third in Normandy, which is other than Western Doma Noodle, like the closest r- really great Korean place that I like outside of going like hard. 8th and Western mm-hmm. or like 8th and, you know. It's not too far it's, into it's the depths the, of K-Town. It's on the edge for me on K-Town, which is real nice. If you're if you're living north of Koreatown, it's great. Yes. South of Koreatown, less great. Yes. Mm. Saying, for me. That's, a, that's it, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this show. As always, we love you. Um, Thanks, guys. Next week, we should have a guest, and we'll try to hit the rest of these questions with him. I'm sure Ari will have many things to say about the best new <laughs> restaurants on Bon Appetit. <laughs> <laughs> you can follow me on social media, at Them Jeans. Under Conoparo has no social media. R.I.P. Stewie. Hello to our moms. Hi, moms. What up, Joe? What up, Kurt? What up, Kurt? And we'll see you next week, guys. Bye. Bye.